welcome to the second series of Founder Chats, the podcast from Be Purple, the University of Brighton's entrepreneurship support service. In our first series, we talked mostly about the early stages of startup, and I interviewed eight diverse founders to get their tips and advice on starting a business. In series two, we look at what happens once your business is up and running, and we look to the experiences of entrepreneurs behind some well-established businesses. To finish the series, I spoke to Vanessa Shea, an expert on workplace culture and the author of a book, Shaping Your Workplace Culture, A Practical Guide. I wanted to find out what early stage businesses should be thinking about when it comes to creating a successful workplace culture. What benefits were on offer for the ambitious entrepreneur who has decided to get their culture right from day one? Here's Vanessa. Do you want to start by telling us about Culture Shapers, your business? Yeah, sure. Hi, Luke. Nice to be back. Um, So Culture Shapers is a consultancy that enables workplaces um, to develop good, positive workplace cultures. Um, So both the staff um, feel valued and the organisation thrives. Um, So far, it is just me, but um, I would like to grow the business uh, over the next few years. Um, So I... Um, in terms of a vision I suppose my vision is for um, the workplace as a whole to be a much um, more enjoyable and pleasant place for people to get to and go to Um, thinking about my purpose I think my purpose is why I'm I'm involved in this is I I guess I have a strong belief that we're all as human beings we have dignity and we're all entitled to enjoy our workplace and be valued and reach our potential at work and I suppose my mission is that um, I've created a model at all for organisations to be able to do that. Okay great and just tell us a bit about your sort of career journey up to the point of founding Culture Shapers so so at what point did you realise that you wanted to sort of go your own way start your own venture and and why? Um, Well I worked for um, nearly two decades in the field of HR so um, started off having um, worked a bit and then and then graduated from Brighton and then developed a, um, an HR service in a, in a, a charity which grew very quickly. Um, I'd had a lot of uh, yeah I'd had a lot of experience and understanding a sort of generalist HR side. Um, and I think during that time I had a growing realization that actually culture was really important and um, I wanted to explore that a little bit more and quite fortuitously I guess um, I was approached by a couple of um, other charities to consult for them so this then prompted me to make the jump of thinking well okay I've got this kind of minimum income here Um, I can use that and maybe develop something as I go along so it was more it was it was a combination of things it was a it was a realization that I had that there was a deep problem going on in organisations and I wanted to see if I could do something about that. But also having having that, that chance to um, you know give myself the space and time to do it by being approached to do some consultancy work okay. made me want to set something up myself. Okay. And can you give us sort of an idea of that kind of consultancy work that you do with clients? Is there any are there any sort of specific projects you could tell us about? Yeah, um so one of the um, charities I ended up working for were willing the chief exec was was very open-minded and allowed me to kind of develop some ideas within that team so um, part of that um, model that I then developed was around um, 
value you know ensuring that you know what your values are but also finding out ways to make them real because what I'd noticed was um, organizations saying that they value people but the actual experience that people have is very different so I wanted to find a way to bridge that um, lack of integrity if you like yeah. um, so part of that was around helping setting up a consultancy group in this cha in this charity and helping them to sending them out getting them to observe how the culture was within that organization um, with their notebooks and pens and coming back and, and giving feedback as to where they saw good you know the values of the organization at work yeah and where there was room for improvement um, and so that was a really exciting piece of work because we were then able to take the feedback that they had and create newsletters every few weeks and just get the message out there that actually there is some really good stuff going on in the organization and as we 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 began to change the narrative mm. of, of the people working there mm. and you know like if you're a parent you know that if you reward good behavior mm. um, that's the way to to encourage good behavior so we found that the culture began to change because people were beginning to take pride in their organization and you're more likely then at the end of the day to when you go to the pub to speak passionately and positively about your organization mm. um, if you keep getting getting reminded of how good things are working and then we were also able to see how we could create systems to um, to embed this good practice things like um, working with managers to come up with some protocols around how they run meetings for example um, or you know working with um, teams in terms of working out what a recruitment how you'd recruit for people that you know talented people that might share your values yeah. so it felt like it was actually nitty-gritty um, making a difference to the organization okay and you've written a book about this subject uh, yes. what's it called what tell us a bit more about it it's called shaping your workplace culture um, and it's it's probably three things. It's a source of information because culture can be quite um, nebulous. So I wanted to be able to um, give real examples of what culture looked like. So it's, it, it gives ideas and, uh, of examples of how organization, how culture shows up in organizations, um, good and bad, um, and you know how much line managers and leadership particularly have a role to play in that. Um, it's also a a guide on how to shape your culture so it's sort of like a, a four-stage um, tool for organizations to work through a process sequence um, in sequence and and it's a workbook because every chapter has um, calls for action in it and um, exercises to do to begin to take that and make those changes yourself yeah excellent um, I think one of the reasons to want to speak to you today, um, obviously, Be Purple supports students and graduates that are starting their own businesses, social enterprises, or going freelance. Um, I think it would be interesting for them to sort of understand why they should be, why they should care really about workplace culture and, and what they could do now. Um, or basically, why should they start thinking about this topic whilst they're starting up? Because it might not necessarily be at the forefront of their mind. Mm. Um, so, what's in it for, the, for them? Well, I think I, I read somewhere recently that 80% of young people will research an organisation's culture before they apply for a job. So, um, you know, culture has become a um, much more prolific kind of word now. And I think there's more understanding that it's, there's, there's something important about that. Um, so if you want to attract good talent and if you want to keep good talent, then, then you know, it definitely um, then, then looking at your culture is the best way around. 
Um, I think culture really shows up when you begin to work and interact with other people. Often, you know, culture is about how you behave and and the atmosphere in the office and, um, you know, how you treat each other. And obviously when it's just you, you may have your own ideas about this, but actually setting those down in paper or setting down what's important to you is going to give um, um, a guideline for any new people, A, that you recruit, but also how you respond to other, you know, your clients and other people that you might partner with. Um, there's a study, there's a book called Culture Code by Daniel Coyle, which um, talks about a study he did with 200 companies um, a, a little while back that showed an increase in network profit by 765% um, because of working on their culture. And I think having defining something that's really unique to you is, you know, I'm told is your USP, is something mm. that's really important that's going to make you stand out. Um, so it's all tied up in your marketing stru strategy, actually, finding out what's important to you. And your culture is about you. Mm -hmm. um, when you're starting out, it's about you as an individual and your personality. And, you know, you bring your personality into your work. Um, so lots of reasons. I think it makes it makes business sense. People are your, you know, your, your business is about people. And, um, you know, if you're going to do well and succeed as an organisation, you need happy, motivated um, people that want to come to work and are going to have fun and enjoy themselves. Yeah. Um, so that there's there's the reason. Yeah. So what does a good workplace culture look like in your view? Um, there's got to be, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you have to have a minimum standard that is a given. You have to have a fair rate of pay. People need to be paid, paid equitably. Mm. Um, there have to be good working conditions. You need that as a, as, as a very uh, minimum. And that's where your policies and procedures come in handy. They basically write, you know, write down how you should treat each other in the office. Mm -hmm. um, but then on top of that, you, you need to be, you know, if you think about what you enjoy in work, you enjoy having the opportunity to grow, maybe to learn new things, to be appreciated, to be known. So there needs to be a learning culture. Um, so, you know, that that would also stretch to when you make mistakes, things go wrong. Actually, the opposite of a learning culture is a blame culture. And a learning culture would give you the freedom to learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, being empowered, you kind of talked about, I think, trust and integrity. So it being, you know, in an organisation that says one thing and follows it up by doing it. Um, you know, if you say your organisation values diversity, but you look around and everybody's the same gender or, you know, race, etc., then mm. you're not actually being true to who you are. Um, so I think if you feel valued, if you feel like you've got opportunity to grow and develop, if you respect your line manager, um, you know what you, you understand what, how you, what you're doing is making a difference. And that's important too. It's knowing how, you know, it's having a, an, as an organisation, having a mission that you communicate to your staff, but that it's clear that people know how what they do actually makes you more successful as a business. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, and can you give us any sort of examples of businesses that do workplace culture very well? You know, what do they do and, and what sort of impact does that have for them? Um, well, BA, for example, have a scheme with their pilots um, by which they, um, they encourage them to, to own up to their mistakes. Um, things that they've done wrong um, and literally the managers will have a quota to get from the pilots so what 
then happens is that every six months they take this information, just common mistakes, things that they've done wrong, they take the themes from this information and they deliver training to their pilots. Um, and that's why BA has the, one of the higher safety records in the airline industry and a lot of Western airlines do this. This is not the case in some other continents, mm. um, you know, who actually find their pilots for making mistakes. So I guess in that environment, you're more likely to not own up and who knows how that might impact on your safety record. Um, so I think A, that gives, you know, that gives an atmosphere of transparency um, within the company. Um, and uh, and uh, that, you know, that kind of place to work, but also obviously that has huge impacts on the success of the company. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's an idea. Um, what about what going when things go wrong? What mistakes? Let's say I'm a starter. What mistakes could I make by not taking this subject seriously? You know, uh, and are there any examples of organisations that have, you know, uh, done workplace culture very badly? Mm. Um, I think, unfortunately, there's quite a few. Um, I think we can probably think of quite a few examples of this at the moment, but when you have large organisations, often government funded organisations, um, that might bring out a culture initiative and say, uh, we, you know, we value, these are our values, stick them on the website, um, and they might do an embedding, you know, um, exercise and inform staff that they need to be happy at work or this, that and the other. Um, but they're, they're grossly underfunded. Um, you are then expecting people who are actually very overworked and very stressed to take on a culture that is simply, um, it, it's nothing to do with what's happening in the workplace at the time. So I think, unfortunately, um, that's hitting quite a few organisations or institutions at the moment. Yeah. Um, and again, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you need to be taking care of your staff in terms of workload, pay, um, working conditions, etc. Um, before you even go to how you might think, you know, how how you might want to put a values exercise through. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a that's a danger at the moment and a problem. Okay. Um, so if I was a startup founder and let's say I've built a team of 10 and it's growing really fast and we're just starting to become aware that workplace culture is becoming really important in retaining our staff and also attracting them, something that you've talked about a little bit already, attracting new team members. If I was to sort of come to you and commission you to work with us, give me an idea of like how you would approach the job of working with a startup. So I think the first thing would be to well, have a chat with you really to to kind of assess what um you know what what your company is about what you want to achieve what your values are um what your mission is um etc because i i would need to get a, a good understanding of what's important to you um and that could be it could be a two-hour chat or it could be a two-day observation coming into the organ if you're bigger in terms of coming to the organization and um observing you at work or your service at work mm -hmm. um so i think there'd definitely be at the first stage would be a chat initial conversation about um what it is that you want and um you know what's important to you what what your identity and personality is as an organization um and i think then as a result of that i'd probably do some kind of report which would highlight what values i see at work um maybe what behaviors i see at work but also whether good stuff is happening it's it's uh you know it's an opportunity to have a, an external person come in and see where 
where your organisation is doing really well. But then um, some kind of action plan in terms of, um, well, let's have a closer look at what your values are. Let's have a closer look at what, what they look like when they're um, de- being demonstrated. Mm. Um, and maybe also looking at, um, you know, the kind of qualities that you want in your managers, you know, going forward um, and begin to, to develop some kind of training program to do that and I think also systems you know we talk about um, I talked about management protocols you know how you might um, write encourage managers to come up with their own um, uh, statements of um, things they're going to do in, in terms of how they communicate how you communicate mm-hmm. or how you make decisions um, and then there's got to be a review as well after that period of time to see how things have changed and are going okay and I know that you do a lot of work with the Myers-Briggs indicator. Um, for those of us that don't know what that is or how it applies to this subject, could you tell us a bit about that? Um, well, Myers-Briggs is a, it's a personality model um, and it's a way of recognising our tendencies, if you like, things that we tend to do. Mm. Um, I use it as a very, in a, with a light touch because I don't, you know, I think these kind of models should be used with a very light touch. They're not really supposed to pigeonhole you or box you in they're made made to show you what box you're in and help you to kind of you know Mm. understand why you you have a certain tendency but you you know you can do everything um so it's made up of four areas extroversion introversion which is about um where you get your energy from how you um uh how you um how you communicate often so an extrovert will talk before they think an introvert will think and then talk and that has massive impact in the workplace in our very extroverted mm. society um, the next uh, the second kind of quality to it is called uh, sensing perceiving and that's about how you take in information some people are very big picture people when they see a situation they're, they're, they see the whole picture or others are very um, very much detail orientated mm-hmm. and we're different in that respect um, and it's important to know how you take information because you could be sitting next to someone who actually perceives a situation completely different to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking to each other is always a helpful thing. Yeah. Thinking and feeling is the third one. So where you make decisions, with how you make decisions once you've got this information, whether you make decisions with your head or with your heart predominantly. Um, and then judging, perceiving is whether you're, you tend to kind of run your life in a spontaneous way or a very structured way. Um, and that's whether you, you know, you might um, be very last minute in terms of how you, um, uh, I don't know, how you, how you um, decide to do a project um, or you might actually have planned a whole project out from start to finish before you even begin it. Um, so again, people, you know, structure their lives very differently. Right. Um, and it's, it's a really good way to bring self-awareness to yourself, but also to the rest of the team yeah um so i've used it in meeting situations just to kind of show people how different particularly introverts and extroverts behave in a meeting mm. so for example um someone who's more introverted um because their 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 processes happen in their heads they will need the agenda beforehand um they'll need to have a chance to think by themselves what how they might respond to something um group brainstorm is an absolute nightmare for an introvert mm. um, whereas extroverts just naturally 
will stand up and um, and kind of work, you know, make it up as they go along. They're much happier in that respect. Mm. Um, and it, meetings are generally um, run in a very extroverted way. Yes. Which is why you might come to the end of a meeting and think, oh, so-and-so didn't say anything. They can't really know how much to contribute. Um, whereas actually that's not the case at all. So understanding how we are different mm. and um, designing our, for example, meetings is how you're going to get the best out of people. I can imagine it must come as a bit of a revelation to to some bosses, particularly when they're realizing maybe they're an extrovert and they're an introvert. They may have misjudged them, perhaps. Um, have yeah. you seen Have you seen it making that kind of impact? Yes, absolutely. And I've worked with some very extroverted bosses um, who really have no idea. Um, but then, you know, when you begin to look at this um, kind of model of working, they begin to um, n be quiet. They begin to yes. close their mouths and and allow others to talk, and I've I've seen that work really well. Mm. Um, so I think for you know for introverts it's no it's probably no massive big news, but for extroverts it is news. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, excellent. Um, so thinking of students that are starting their own businesses, starting up, have you got any sort of general advice or tips that you would give, particularly to a student that might be looking to do something like you're doing, basically starting a consultancy? Mm. Um, yeah, a few a few points. I think um, it's always helpful to have income from somewhere. You know, it may not be doing exactly what you want to do, but um, don't um, don't underestimate having a regular income, even if you have to work in a pub or somewhere else, just just or in an office to kind of enable to provide yourself with um, the freedom to 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 really pursue what your idea is mm -hmm. um, I think it, it's always important to connect with your passion and to you know to, to keep reminding yourself of why you're doing what you're doing and I guess if you're you know you're brave enough to start a business you must be thinking that there's a gap somewhere or there's a problem somewhere or you know you have a, a, an idea to how to improve something and mm. I, I think it's good to remember what the bigger picture is so not just that you're providing yourself with an income but that you're making a difference somehow to another group of people um, because I think in the hard times and there will be hard times um, you you may well you know have several times a week want to give up what you're doing but I think if you can remind yourself that actually what you're doing is going to make a difference um, potentially then that will could give you the motivation to keep going and not give up yeah um i think business coaching or mentoring along the way um has been really helpful for me so at various times really when i've been thinking about what i've been doing and um certainly it's helpful now but it was also really helpful when i wrote the book i had a book a mentor that i was meeting with every month and i know that if i hadn't been doing that the book possibly couldn't have been written um so Go in with your eyes open, or you know, have a learning attitude. You're always learning. Um, someone you meet, you know, someone's always got something to teach you. So I think having that approach is really important as well. That's great. Um, and who, if anyone, has sort of helped you in or inspired you in your business or in your life? I've, I'm inspired by um, people that have taken a risk to follow their dreams. Uh, maybe like most people, um, if ever you get a chance to go to TED Talk or listen to a TED Talk, I think there's often 
very inspirational people there who have a bigger picture in mind and who've gone all out um, to reach it. And it's it's always helpful to know, you know, that that the people that you admire have always um, have had issues and, and pro projects have failed and they've got themselves back up again they've had another go or they redesign what they've done and they've kept going you know i think i need to hear stories like that mm. um so that i find inspiration um yeah i think ted talks are, are often the most inspiring if i need a bit of inspiration i might watch a ted talk mm -hmm. excellent and then last question what has been your happiest day as an entrepreneur and also what's been your worst day I think my happiest day, or one of them, was was when I finished a whole piece of shaping a culture in the um, charity that I was working in, um, and I I designed it, I trialled it, and I delivered it from beginning to end. And this um, ch particular charity was then looking at merging with another charity, so I then stood up and I, I did a presentation to the to the to the other organisation that it was merging with, and I was able to say. This is the work we've done. This is the culture here. This is why people behave the way they do. These, this is what's important to them. This is why their services look like they do because they have this intrinsic motivation. Mm. Um, th you know, these are the leadership qualities that the leadership that the managers have been trained in, and it felt like a, a, a an end, a sort of completion of a massive piece of work um, that I was able to finish and present in a way that I was happy with. Okay bad day <laughs> just to <laughs> keep the balance um i think you know often, often quite often um mm. there are difficult days where you're working towards something and you don't really feel there's no, an obvious reward for it um so days where you yeah you're working on a particular a project or you're waiting for you know to get in contact with people and people aren't calling you um and those are quite hard um, and I always um, always go back to at that point I always go back to why um, I left my job in the first place you know why I saw that there was a problem why increasingly I I, uh, I still get stories from people commonly get stories from people who aren't happy at work and it's because of this or that or the other and I think yeah yeah I'm what I'm doing is important um, so I need I, I go back to that regularly and I also have a bunch of good friends who I text and I say can you just remind me why I'm doing this and, mm -hmm. and we know each other well enough to encourage each other that way so um, yeah I think they, those can be quite tough days but they're necessary yeah so that was Vanessa to find out more about her work go to cultureshapers.co.uk and the best way to keep track of Be Purple is to go to bepurple.co.uk and sign up for our newsletter. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook using the account name UOBBPurple. That's B-E-E-P-U-R-P-L-E. -E -E. Thanks for listening.